Hey again, everyone. Welcome to the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm your host, Seth Everett, and the head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook is Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, uh, the fallout from Medina Spirit uh, drug allegations. There's an investigation going. Uh, what happens to all the books? What happens to all the bets? The payouts had to have happened by now. Yeah, it's funny. The when I first uh, heard about uh, Medina Spirit, I not funny for I, the people who bet and won. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, we'll get to that in a second. But my first thought when I heard this was uh, I couldn't help but think of our conversation from last week when uh, you, you talked about Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, do the horses even know that uh, they're racing? And I was thinking, oh, does Medina Spirit know that he's a junkie? Because uh, apparently that's how he's being referred to now. This isn't the horse's fault. The horse just. He shows up, he races, he does his thing, but uh, Bob Baffert has suggested that cancel culture has come for Medina Spirit. Uh, what that means for people who bet the race, uh, we, we grade uh, much like we do with auto racing, any racing. If there is not an appeal on site, uh, like we had a couple of Kentucky Derbies ago, um, we grade based on the track grading, uh, which is substantial. It's across the board. This is how racetracks and other sports books uh, grade this kind of stuff across North America and throughout the world. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, if you did have a, a bet on any of the other horses, uh, unfortunately, that will still stand as a loss, unless, of course, you were betting them to place or show and they finish second or third. But, yeah, Medina Spirit over the finish line, but with a little bit of controversy. Yeah, uh, my favorite tweet, not to make light of this, but my favorite tweet is uh, my guy Terry Fry, who covers Denver sports, he said, uh, I really want to hear Medina's spirit side of this story. Mr. Ed, get on this. <laughs> and Medina's spirit uh, is still currently a plus 150 favorite at Bavada right now for the Preakness stakes. So, uh, you know, barring uh, being removed uh, by some capacity, uh, still currently the favorite, uh, just followed by Concert Tour at plus 250. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild. And I think that the understanding uh, of it um, you know, scandals like this happen in human sports. Yes. Racing. And, you know, her, horse racing is a very highly gambled sport, you know, not just on sports books like Bavada, but it's, you know, you can go to a track and you can place bets. Is that an ancient uh, practice? Is that old? Should we just be betting on human sports and horse racing is kind of not the thing anymore. I know that you're conflicted because you're an odds maker, but I, I don't know. I just find horse racing to be a little outdated. You know what? I, I, I think I might even have referred to it last week as, or sorry, two weeks ago as the most overrated two minutes in sports. So uh, for someone like me, it's not even that particularly interesting anyways. Uh, in terms of how dated it is, I mean, gosh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Peaky Blinders, Seth. Uh, I am. Great, fat, what a you know, great, silly yeah. Murphy. He's awesome in everything. Yeah. But that uh, opening season where they're doing the horse racing and they're rigging the races, yes. and I should probably not go too far down that path. Right. But uh, yeah, it was fascinating. I think, you know, that was an interesting way to bet on something with a very quick return uh, for a lot of betters back in the day. You know, a race that's over in two minutes, you know, whether you won or lost. It's not a soccer match that takes two hours or, you know, a lot of other modern sports. You know, we, we talk we talk at length about uh, the problem with the length of baseball at times for the casual viewer. And I think for that point of view, it's possible for horse racing to still be successful. But now there are other things that are challenging it. And our ability to offer 
so many of these other sports with quick payouts, I think detracts away from, you know, horse racing where you can bet that next race in five minutes in five minutes in five minutes. If we're offering uh, you know, a prop in baseball, like, will there be a run score in the first inning? You know, you're getting that quick bet resolution. And uh, if I can get into the business side of it, you're, you're getting churned, you're betting and then you're betting again. And then you can, with live betting now, you can bet the second inning, the third inning winner, the fourth inning. Right. So we, we found a ways, we found a way really at Bavada to weaponize this very quick bet resolution so that we have you back in and on to the next thing. Our goal is not to have you bet on something and wait three hours and then go bet the next thing. We want you betting and then trying something else and trying something else. So, I mean, a horse racing, I, I, I don't even know how many people in the US and Canada and throughout the world. Well, the world is a big place, but let's just say North America. How many really pay attention to horse racing outside of the Kentucky Derby, outside of the Preakness? Well, and then at the Belmont, if you don't have uh, someone that won, or someone, some horse that won the first two, <laughs> if you have a Belmont where you don't have a chance to get that crown, I mean, I, I'm not interested. But there's still thousands that. of people that go to it. But, my, but, but what I find is it's old world. It's the old world. And when you didn't have video games and you didn't have social media and you didn't have uh, many sports, you know, when horse racing was prevalent in the days of Peaky Blinders. And it's mm -hmm. so funny you referenced season one because that's the only season I've seen. Um, but the idea that you didn't have those other things. When you're living in the 1800s in the, in the, in the United States and it's post-Civil War, what are you doing for fun? You're not going to even go into dances. They hadn't even created that yet. <laughs> we hadn't even figured out dancing yet. No, no, no not dancing, but you didn't no, go no, to I dances. Don't. You know what I'm saying? Like you didn't go to, you didn't do much. So this whole idea, I, I just think that it's as society evolves, horse racing just continues to be a turn off. The rights that these networks pay for it are astronomical. And I'm like, wait for two minutes. Yeah. I mean, as someone who's attended a few different horse racing events, going to the venue itself and making a day of it is it's actually pretty fun. Is that and a bucket list thing for people? Do you still think that it's not on my bucket list? I'll guarantee it. Uh, well, I, I think I've spoke to this before, but if I haven't, I would say because I was lucky enough to go to the Grand National in Liverpool, England, a couple of years ago where you know, something like 40 horses enter and Seth, 40 horses do not finish that race. You're lucky because uh, it's racing, it's jumps. Uh, I almost wanted to say like trap doors, but that's how perilous of a race it is for those horses. So I would say something like that, or really just, you know, a race day in a lot of places in the UK, that kind of spoiled me on the North American experience. But if you haven't done a day at the track with, you know, really decent weather out, you know, a couple beverages, a couple, uh, you know, superfectas in there. It's not a bad day, but I, I wouldn't say it's bucket list in North America. I would say if you really want to see the, the logical extension of the craziness that horse racing can be, you know, get to the UK, try and get to Hong Kong. If we ever again live in a world where, you know, free travel and movement will exist again. I, th I think that's the best way to see it. And, and I've had a blast going to those things, but I don't need to go to the Grand National again. I've got it now. I figured it out. Uh, my dad still loves it because he picked the winner that day all the way from Canada. He had me run into a, one of the local bed shops and put 10 pounds on it. So Tiger Roll. I, so whatever year that was, the Tiger Roll won the Grand National because my dad will never let me forget it because he, think, <laughs> he considers himself the horse whisperer now after that. But 
Uh, so yeah, but yeah, th- these other races, I mean, if you're actually at the track, it's a fun thing. If you're tuning on it, if you're tuning in on TV for that one race and it's over in two minutes, I don't get the appeal, but that's just me. And I mean, I see the numbers that we do. We still do great numbers and betting on it. So we've, I guess maybe, you know, gaslit or hoodwinked enough people into thinking it's more interesting than it's, it is, but it's, it's amazing. I, 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 and I'm not putting them down. I'm, I never put people down for what they like. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, just like I'd ever ask people to judge me on what I like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, that's my, my hockey and my Prince world. Like <laughs> I say, go see Prince one time, you know, not anymore live, but, mm. but uh, go see Prince and then look me in the eye and tell me it's awful. I'll never ask again. Mm-hmm. Same thing with hockey, go to a hockey game, look me in the eye and say, God, that was awful. It was, it was disgusting. It was boring. And I would say, okay, I'll never ask you again. But those things to me are super, super entertaining two minutes of animals it's animals you know what i mean like equestrian i like equestrian there's a skill to and i know there's a skill to 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 horse racing but it seems like equestrian um and i know it a little more because i i know you know some of the olympians and it sounds really strange but the whole idea of training them and 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 working a a, a a ring and and doing the jumps and the and the and the things and sometimes you got to run and sometimes you walk and it's just that it, it, there's an art form to it horse racing run as fast as you can there's the art form i don't know what do you what do you think about uh dressage though and if, if i'm pronouncing that uh correctly. Yeah, dressage they have that they, they do that stuff i've seen it, it I, again none of this you can, you can my... win an olympic medal in it you can I know somebody who won an Olympic medal in dressage. Yes, McLean Ward. Uh, McLean Ward won a, a Olympic gold medal, and he's in equestrian. And we, <laughs> I've, I've been to his home, and I've seen how he trains and all that stuff. And the amount of effort. Yes, it's a very wealthy sport, but it's a sport where I, I don't know. I've seen it from a different angle, and maybe I'm biased because I've never seen a jockey. I've never seen a horse trainer outside of Black Beauty. Like I, I, I don't know a lot of this stuff. So maybe I'm naive and I'll, I'll call to that. I just don't see the appeal of horse racing. So gun to your head, who are the greater Olympic athletes, dressage or winter curling? Dressage. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, much harder. <laughs> it's much harder. I mean, when curling's interesting, I've called curling. Um, curling is Literally, you just it's a it, it's you're, you're scraping ice like you, you're just you're just you're, you're sweeping. It's, it's all you are. You're a sweep. It's it's shuffleboard and they forgot to de-ice. Right. right. That's right. It's which shuffle- is a pro- which is a problem in Canada. It's, it's, having having said that, I it's I easy found to it- see how it was invented. I'll tell you that much. Well, it, it's it's in Canada. That's that's our winter social club. Right. It's, it's an excuse to, you know, grab a couple pints. But, uh, you know, we're not just at the bar. But do what do you throw down the ice to, to do it? You don't you don't take like an actual like puck. You take you, you just take, use the beer bottles. It's it's a senior puck. It's a you know it's it's a it's a puck. It's a Canadian puck that's all grown up. It's retired. It goes off to curl. It goes off to curl. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Olympics, I don't know about the timeliness of this, but uh, the head of the International Olympic Committee canceled his trip to Japan, and a lot of people are still speculating whether or not it happens. It's not a sure thing. I wouldn't say it's a sure thing right now still. 
It's it's not a sure thing. Uh, you know, we haven't visited this topic in probably about a month or so. So at least from that point of view, uh, we're seeing progress. Looking at our current odds of Bovada, for example, because we've updated this a few times, we are now roughly 80% that the opening ceremony will take place on July 23 as scheduled. And uh, with that in mind, we, ha we have started offering uh, a lot of different props for this upcoming uh, games, assuming they do go off. You know, you can bet on... We've added most medals, most gold medals. Uh, what else? You know, men's marathon, women's freestyle. So all this stuff is starting to go up right now. And, you know, I, I, I hope it goes off just because, I mean, in Canada, it seems like we're probably going to have a pretty long summer uh, with COVID still. So it looks like I'm going to need something to watch. And, you know, the Olympics are nice. You know, I, I love the sprinting. I love the swimming competitions. You know, the volleyball is great water polo you know i always think that looks easy and then i try and tread water for more than 45 seconds myself and i'm dog tired so that's impressive uh i i love it and i, I love the all the different stuff that we have up i think we already have about 50 different props on the website now and we're just in may so i think once we have a little bit more confidence that this is all going ahead which lo still looks pretty good like you said not a guarantee you know our goal will be that we have you know 500 to a thousand different ways to bet the olympics by the time we get to uh, those opening ceremonies Bottom line, what are things that are turning into Olympic betting now? Is there betting on individual events? You're starting to see some trials. Uh, there's obviously the team sports. W what about the Olympics is going well? And is it just have it or don't have it? Because I will say this. When the president of the IOC canceled that trip, they are in a situation. It's a crisis in Japan and more than half of the people polled in Japan don't want this thing to happen. And I know the money and I understand. And I saw college football, the SEC wanted to play no matter what. In North America, we're slowly getting out of this thing. In the United States, we have vaccines at the ready. They don't have that in Japan. And that's why I don't think if the Olympics were in Salt Lake City, I'd say play on. No problem. Mm -hmm. I think American sports can happen right now. All American sports should be played. Nothing should be canceled. The problem is in Japan, it's not the same. And this is Tokyo and it's already been postponed for a year. I think it's out. Wow. Yeah. I mean, again, so far, all, all we can do is look at our marketplace of odds, you know, and you know, you know, the odds are never a perfect indicator of reality. There's optimism that people, uh, you know, certainly people bet on things that they want to occur as much as they often bet on things that, uh, you know, are either likely or at least reflected in the odds to occur. Uh, you know, we are still planning at Bavada that this event is going ahead. Uh, once we, again, once we get a little bit closer to that and see some more positive signals, then, we will look to increase our offering. I think what you're looking at in terms of the bigger betting events, it's going to be soccer. It's going to be basketball. It's going to be, you know, the track and field, especially those hundred meter and four by 100 meter relays. It's going to be the swimming events, uh, stuff like that. And then, you know, we will supplement it with, listen, the volleyball doesn't get as much. Uh, the dressage doesn't get as much, but we'll have odds on all of it. And people will bet on this stuff because, you know, NBC in the U.S. does a great job with their coverage of this to the extent that they show a lot. I don't know if they're still time delaying it, though, because that was something that we always kind of had a bit of an issue 
uh, in the past because in Canada, they show everything live across three or four different channels. It's great. Uh, but I know in the U.S. in the past, the issue has been you can see a lot of stuff, but you can't always see it live. So I'd hope they, they tidy that up this year, because I think, again, with a lot of people, depending on where you are in either the U.S. or Canada, you're still probably spending some version of your time indoors a little bit more than you would in a normal summer. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. One thing we haven't talked about a lot, uh, the NHL. Uh, the NHL is in a weird spot. Their regular season is ending, uh, but their Canadian division uh, still has like another week to go. Uh, but you're starting to see the matchups at least. And, and the three uh, United States divisions are all in action. Um, what happens? You, you live in Canada. What happens if the border can't be opened and w- somebody's winning that division and is going to be in the conference finals? Yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, no secrets here. Hopefully it is Toronto currently down to uh, six to one to win it all this year. Nothing like a serious conversation that turns into him being a fan. (laughs) Well, you know what? I've often said that I, you know, I'm so poisoned from generic fandom by just working this industry for as long as I have. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I find a good bet against the Leafs in the playoffs, I will take that and then they'll be dead to me for the duration of that bet. So, I mean, as it currently stands, I don't have any personal liabilities uh, on the NHL uh, Stanley Cup uh, futures. So I, I'm okay to cheer for the Leafs for now, but that could change very quickly. Uh, in, in terms of how they attack these playoffs, I mean, uh, I mean, the good news is, uh, at least for the Canadian teams, uh, when the playoffs start, they will continue to play amongst themselves. Uh, I, I do think looking at Western Canada, Quebec, and Ontario, which is you know ho- housing all of the Canadian teams, we are seeing cases, while still problematic, start to come down over the last week. So I think there's some positivity there. If not, I mean, I think the U.S., like you said, the U.S. is wide open. You guys are further ahead of the game. I think the NHL has shown themselves to be pretty thoughtful and creative for how they play these games. Um, so maybe the second half of the playoffs, where we break down these divisions and we start uh, seeing Canada versus U.S. teams playing again, you know, maybe they'll have to take place in the U.S. The good news is that the uh, league still has some time. And I think uh, I would hope a decent amount of flexibility in sorting that out. But maybe that's how the playoffs have to finish, not in Canada, but maybe just in the U.S. Well, it's going to be strange, but are, are the Canadian teams having small crowds? Are there are there no fans whatsoever in the, any of those games? No fans whatsoever. So, you know, if the Leafs Very win good. it all and no one's there to see it, did it really happen? Well, but that, that then the easy argument is you take whatever team wins, you put them in the United States. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly and you what you can want sell to do. Tic- and you can sell tickets. Yeah, exactly. You, you're, there's a way to monetize it that just and, will and not occur it. in Canada this year. I mean, if they want to play, if they want to play in Madison Square Garden, Nassau Coliseum, Prudential Center, uh, even even uh, the 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 the, uh, the the Comcast Center in Philadelphia, I'll recommend that. I'll watch your Leafs in person. And Canadians will fly to that. I mean, that's something that uh, wait. Never you fails. can fly out. You just can't fly in. We can fly to the U.S. right now. If we come back, we have to quarantine for like three days in the government quarantine hotel. And then uh, you have to stay, go quarantine at home, I guess, I think for the remaining 11 days. So you have to do two weeks or so, but three of them is monitored. And then 11, uh, you left to your own devices. But uh, yeah, I mean, th- that's something that as a Leafs fan, you often see whether they're playing Carolina or Pittsburgh or you know, the Rangers, whoever, like Leaf fans travel well. And I think they'll be chomping at the bit. Uh, They're used to paying, uh, you know, really obscene prices for tickets. So 
having to throw in a quarantine hotel stay on the way back is just the cost of actually being able to see your team play this year. So wherever the Leafs do play, I think fans will probably wouldn't be surprised to see them somehow make up a third of fans in attendance at some of these playoff games if they're playing in the States. Uh, as far as the favorites, I mean, everybody's only played in your division. So the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, these matchups should be easy to prognosticate. The weird part will be when you get to the conference finals, no one will have seen anybody. Right. And that that's certainly really challenging for us as odds makers to try and figure out, okay, like we have, we have a, we have an oversample size really of what Toronto can do against other Canadian teams. And that will serve us very well for the first couple rounds of the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, when they break down, it's been a lot harder this year to try and gauge relative strength. So, you know, if Toronto can beat up on Ottawa and Montreal and Vancouver, you know, hey, that's great. And as a Leafs fan, I'm not going to you know, turn up my nose to that. But what does that mean when or if we get to a Vegas or a Colorado? I mean, we can look at advanced numbers like, uh, you know, the Corsica and uh, sorry, not Corsica, Corsi and the Fenwick and stuff like that to try and, you know, relatively get an idea for strengths. But we there's still a gap here that uh, again is probably why the odds are still as wide open as they are. I mean, the avalanche and the Knights are your co-favorites just with the Leafs uh, right behind them at six to one, but it's Tampa plus seven fifty, Carolina eight to one Boston, 10 to one Washington, 14 to one Pittsburgh, 12 to one. So like there really is a mushy middle here, which is often the case in hockey, but really I, I think really amplified this year with just so much uncertainty. If you make it to the playoffs and you can get out of your little division, I think it's anyone's game. It should be uh, quite interesting. The NBA is also headed towards the playoffs. Baseball continues to be interesting. There's a lot going on in uh, sports. In, it seems like a quiet time, but there's a lot, and there's a lot of things that you can find on the website, including Ben Affleck. Wait a minute. what? Why is that in my notes? <laughs> Ben Affleck and J-Lo have been seen uh, uh, cavorting together, canoodling, canoodling schmoozing maybe even. I like and, cavorting. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering what year it is, uh, Seth, because we have you know, J-Lo and Ben Affleck engagement odds on the website. We've got Tim Tebow you know, statistical categories oh, in the NFL this so. year. And I'm just thinking, uh, you know, uh, this simulation theory, maybe it's actually got some legs to it because... When I'm trying to price up Tim Tebow probs and J-Lo Ben Affleck odds, I'm really wondering, you know, what exactly is going on? <laughs> well, Tim Tebow, uh, it was revealed on social media, needs three games uh, to qu- to get fully vested for his pension with the NFL. He needs it- three games. So what happens? His buddy, Urban, Urban Meyer, is going to play him three games so he gets this fakakta pe- pension. this is one of of the phoniest phoniest of the phonies i'm sorry you can you can yell at me on twitter at seth underscore everett come at me tim tebow is a fraud (laughs) we have his over under of passing yards uh for the entire season at 89 and a half he's supposed to be a he's supposed to be a tight end though I, I think there. This is with the assumption that they might roll him out and uh, you know do some funky packages with him. You know, yes. I mean, there's the possibility that uh, you know Jacksonville, to the extent that they're going to use him at all. I mean, you know, he may not end up working out for them. But there's a chance that you know Tebow, you know, he, he doesn't throw the ball very far, doesn't throw it very quickly, but he has been able to show that he can throw it. Uh, like he did in that uh, playoff game against the Steelers. That was one of the that was the last exciting thing Tim Tebow has ever done that I can recall. 
And uh, I don't even think I had facial hair back then. That's how long ago it was. But yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're right. It, like Nobody has had more chances given to them in sports than Tim Tebow, you know, perspective NFL player, perspective MLB player, you know, not quite good at any of these, but uh, you know, here's another chance. And like you said, well, if he only needs three more games to get his NFL pension, nice of Urban Meyer to look out for his guy like that, I guess. My lips are sealed. Thanks for listening to the Bavada at odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. He is Patrick Morrow. We'll see you next week. Bye folks.